Hey, Tom. Hi. How are you? Thanks for picking up. Thanks for picking up the phone and being here. So, hey, Rainy, how's it going? You look cute, cool in that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I'm trying to get used to wearing it. It's April 3rd, 2020. I'm at Gouverneur Court on the Lower East Side in New York um, in Community Access's supportive housing building. So, I'm on my way to drop off a bag of produce for one of our tenants. Um, we've got some nice fresh food in here. Um, since it's hard to get to the grocery stores right now, we're going to drop it off while practicing social distancing. I'm also wearing a mask now that I'm on the tenant floors where it's more likely that I'll run into people um, in order to try to keep everyone safe. So I'm going to head over and drop this off. Yeah, all right, enjoy. So there's also like a recipe guide in there with some ideas for cooking. All right. All right, have a good weekend, Donna. Bye. My name is Allison Sutter. I'm 29 years old and I'm the assistant program director of a supportive housing site in New York City. This is my diary. This is my story. So let's take a look at what's being done here in New York by the numbers. City officials say at least 26 homeless people have died of the 421 confirmed to have COVID-19 in New York City. That's from the city's total homeless population of nearly 79,000. So one of the main things that Community Access does is we provide affordable, supportive housing to people with mental health needs. And so that looks like buildings throughout the city where people have apartments that where their rent is based on their income. And many of our tenants have low income, so their rent is affordable. We've seen the data, the numbers by now. Seniors with pre-existing medical conditions, asthma, hypertension, diabetes, they're the ones most vulnerable to the coronavirus, and they are often the ones living in public housing developments like this one. So the supportive services that we provide here are, I mean, they're really determined by what people need and what people ask for. So day to day, that might look like connecting people to healthcare, meeting with someone one-on-one -on -one to talk through a difficult time, it might be helping someone figure out how to use their phone, but anything that someone could ask for help with, we're, we're here to address that. Every community, every zip code has been hurt by this disease. Families are grieving right now uh, across every part of the five boroughs. But we also now have information that points out that there are clear inequalities clear disparities in how this disease is affecting the people of our city. Housing instability and insecurity is always an issue in New York and it's you know part of the reason why I wanted to work in housing specifically in when I moved into direct services and, and social work. Um, and I think that yeah, that's been one of the hard, hardest things for me to see is realizing that it, it that so many people don't have homes and in this in this uncertain time. Um, and so I think that that reminder that New York City didn't do enough before coronavirus started to ensure that everyone in our city had a safe place to be had has um, access to resources. I think that coronavirus has like really laid that bare, like the inequities in New York. 
The last photo I have of myself on my phone before coronavirus really hit New York City is a selfie of me and my best friend Kyler. It's from my birthday, which was right before New York City shut down. And he came by my house, brought over a piece of cake, and we snapped a quick selfie to send to my mom. And we both look a lot more happy and carefree than I think we're feeling now. And we definitely didn't realize at the time how long it would be before we got to see each other in person again. Watching with growing alarm as the number of coronavirus cases threatens to overwhelm hospitals, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo ordered almost everyone in this state to stay home, and he banned gatherings. This is the most drastic action we can take. It came after the number of confirmed cases statewide surpassed 7,000. There are essential services that will continue to function, but 100 percent of the workforce. The rule takes effect Sunday evening. Cuomo urged people to go outside, though, for solitary exercise to protect their physical and mental health. I live alone, plus two cats who don't seem bothered by coronavirus and are enjoying me having having me home more. Um, I did have a friend staying with me for several weeks. She came into town on March 12th, kind of right when Things started closing down and restrictions started coming into place across the city. Luckily, both of us are low risk in terms of age, pre-existing conditions. So, but I, um, and I'm grateful for that, but I had a lot of, I had some conversations with her, you know, trying to assess how she was feeling, gauge how she was feeling, offering, you know, if she wanted me to, you know, change out of my work clothes at the front door and bag them up and hop in the shower and we ultimately decided that given our our risk factors, we would, you know, practice frequent hand washing. Um, I'm wearing a mask outside, um, but but I was pretty worried about, you know, coming into the house, living with someone else and and felt very much like if she got sick, it would definitely be my coming from me. So um, I think yeah, and so now I'm back to living alone, so I have a lot, lot less to worry about on that front. For you to get on the bus and stand on the bus and cough several times, that lets me know that some folks don't care. We reported on the Detroit bus driver who spoke out about passengers not covering when they cough. That driver been dying days later from the virus. The MTA again urging commuters to practice safe social distancing and avoid overcrowded trains. The message comes after a new video shows this wild video of overcrowded conditions on a number five train this morning in the Bronx. This commute was pretty long this morning. I had to wait probably 30 minutes between taking two different trains to get here. And those trains are more crowded because of the delays, which means that I was in close proximity with people. I was wearing a mask, which I took off for my walk to work because it's usually pretty quiet in this neighborhood and I wasn't worried about social distancing on my way here. But having to spend that much time on the subway in close proximity with people makes me pretty nervous about coming in because I'm worried about what I might be bringing into the building during coronavirus. Um, another way in which essential workers right now are putting themselves and others at risk while trying to go about our lives and keep doing our jobs. New York City is ramping up efforts to get food to the hungry starting today. Free grab-and-go meals will be available to anyone at 435 public school sites. Kids' meals will be ready for the taking from 7.30 to 11.30 this morning. Adult meals. It's April 3rd, 2020, and I'm at 621 Water Street. 
So during COVID, food insecurity is one of our major concerns for our community. Uh, over half of our building is over the age of 55 with many tenants in their 70s and 80s. So um, them having to go out to the store is a big risk. Um, on top of that, many of our community members have additional health concerns like diabetes, COPD, and other respiratory conditions that put them at great risk um, of health issues if they contract coronavirus. So, um, and then beyond that, economic insecurity is a huge factor in almost everyone's life who lives in this building. For many of our tenants, their sole source of income is public benefits. And it's hard to stretch just a few hundred dollars to the end of every month under the best of circumstances. And, you know, because of that economic insecurity, stocking up on food and supplies, even like a week at a time or trying to buy more than you usually do is just not an option. So right now I'm standing in the Gouverneur Court dining room. We're about to start dinner service, which we do five nights a week. Tenants pay $2.50 and get a beautiful, hot, nutritious meal cooked by Lorraine, our chef. Um, we are still keeping our meal service in place during COVID-19 because access to food is imperative. But one thing we've changed is that usually people will sit in the dining room while they eat their meals if they choose, um, watch the nightly news. But currently we've asked that people don't stay in the dining room, that they socially distance in line and then take their meals to go in their room. So trying to make compromises here, keep our keep the programs going while doing so as safely as possible. Our chef at Gouverneur Court prepping meals. Um, she's packing up some food for the weekend and for dinner, which we're about to serve. Homemade turkey soup. Ooh, Lauren makes the best soup. I have tried it before. Um, and what else? What's for dinner tonight? Is the grilled cheese sandwich and the soup. Oh, nice. And then what are what are people getting over the weekend? Um, chicken salad with boiled eggs and a green salad. Cornish and with yellow rice and green lima beans. All right. So, so yeah, Moraine is an essential staff person is coming in every day, which we so appreciate um, taking the subway into work and being here and making sure that our community has food to eat. So thank you, Moraine. Big hey, shout out. <laughs> Her advice for celebrating your little ones while cooped up. Zoom calls are not just for work. They can be really fun as well. You can have people dress up party hats, have everybody have a treat. I will say that these past two weeks, we have met via FaceTime and Zoom with more friends than we actually have not seen for real for a long time. I think that it's one thing to see on social media some of the, the memes that are coming out about isolation or the way that people are doing Zoom happy hours and things like that, but when when we're talking about marginalized communities that don't have those same social networks necessarily or rely on other forms of communication due to lack of access to resources, internet, smartphones, it's a really different picture here. One of the things that has been hard for me to grapple with is like the taking away of resources when there are so few, so many people who don't have access to entertainment in their apartments might spend more time in our common spaces where we have televisions or might come down and use our computer room. And having 
to try to figure out how to replace those things has been something that we're trying to move as fast as possible on. I'm here with Bruce Dillon, who's one of our longstanding tenants. Um, while we can't have a group computer setting, one thing we're doing is that Community Access sent our site a couple laptops. Bruce is sitting in front of one of them, and we have a sign-up sheet going at the front of the office where we can let people into the office one at a time, wipe down the computer and the surrounding areas with disinfectant wipes, um, have people wash their hands, sanitize. Bruce is wearing gloves. So I'm going to turn it over to Bruce. He can share a bit about him. Um, I'm very grateful that we have the computer, and I would also like to say that, you know, um, I'm going to be, hopefully I'll be 60 years old on May 23rd, and when I was a child, my mother always used to say, God bless us all. I've updated that to Goddess bliss us all, and I'm saying it too. And I've, I've lived here for 21 years, as I said, and we survived Hurricane Sandy. We survived Tuesday, September 11th, 9-11, 2001, and we're going to survive this too. Grand Central Station at rush hour is quiet as a crypt. In Times Square, the billboards are lit up, but no tourists to see them. New York is an island. The bridges and tunnels are open, but traffic is a breeze. Being in New York City right now feels so different than it did just a month ago. Seeing, even on you know nice days, seeing the streets be empty in a way I've never seen them before is, it can be unnerving at times. It can, it's just strange to see. Um, it's so easy right now to to spiral into a lot of different scary scenarios and so I'm just trying to stay informed enough to keep myself and others safe but when I'm home and in my downtime I'm practicing self-care by watching some garbage television, um, picking up some cross-stitching, you know things are intense here at the building and um, and I want to, you know, be able to keep work and home separate as much as possible so that I can sleep and, and not be too stressed out. Because I think I think that in working in mental health and in social work, staff burnout is always a huge concern. It's, it's really not easy work. And I think that right now, if I'm if I start burning out, then it will then I won't be of use to anyone.